Evening all, welcome back to the Dark Side podcast. So we've got a mega guest on tonight, Dean Stop. Um, we'll get Dean on in a few minutes, but like I said tonight, if you've seen the announcement, um, we've got all the episodes all going to go on iTunes now. Uh, so just obviously just waiting for Dean to jump on. Just be one moment here. Uh, just waiting for the connect. Hello, mate, all right? Yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Family good? Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Children, are a bit, children are a bit confused, wondering what's going on. So, uh, Tell us about it, tell us about it. It's been a long, long few months, isn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah. It's been, um, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. And obviously some people, a, a lot more than the others, you know, a lot yeah. of people say, oh, we're all in the same boat. But some people's boats are shipwrecks and some are cruise liners. Everyone's, you know, unique and different. So, yeah, no, tr- um Different, different times, but you know, getting through it. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of positives during this during this lockdown. I, myself Definitely. personally, being able to get on top of backloaded work and everything else. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. It, and unfortunately, we can't change the situation we're in. We just have to adapt to what's happening on the ground at the moment. Definitely, definitely, because that's as someone that one of the biggest lessons I always learn from you: adapt and overcome. Just keep like looking at the situation, just keep rolling with it, isn't it? Yeah, just go. You know, always try and take a positive from a negative as well. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, it is troublesome time for people, but you know, just just see where there are potential opportunities. Um, and like I say, we're all, we're all in it together, and as, obviously, you, you focus a lot on on mental health. Yeah, um, and I think. You know the key points really is remain physically active and, and communication. You know we're, we're, we've opened our eyes to another way of communicating virtually. Uh, definitely, definitely, because that's something actually I picked up because I was actually telling my boss about this that like one of your suggestions you'd done with um, like we've seen on LinkedIn, um, you've done on there, and it's basically how this is all going to change and how this could be a new format of people doing obviously conferences, you know, conference calls, etc. And it's really going to expand it. It is an excellent format, really. It, it is as well. Like I said, I think you, people need to quickly adapt to where this sort of way of living or you could potentially be left behind when the doors uh, open again. But, you know, I think especially more um, some of the larger corporates when they used to fly people in from all over the world, you know, to have meetings. And the majority can be done, you know, through these means, which then gives them more time to frees up less time traveling, which obviously reduces Definitely. the air travel as well, which obviously helps the environment. Um, but also, you know, for me, I, Prior to this, I spent the majority of my time traveling to and from events yeah. or, or speaking. And actually to be able to do it virtually then frees me up a lot more time then to either spend more time with the family or do some sort of physical activity. But, you know, I know the way people are in business, they'll probably just end up doing more work. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely, because that's no something, obviously, you're saying doing a physical activity. That was one thing that, obviously, massive congratulations, smashing that 288 in a cycle ride in one day. Uh, that yeah. was incredible. Absolutely yeah, incredible, because I was watching done, your progress all day. Yeah, well, I've, I've never done anything like that, especially on, on a turbo train. Yeah. Uh, I've done a couple of turbo sessions, and I thought, well, it can't be much different from being on a bike, and, and it, yeah, it really is. It, you know, you don't have... You can't freewheel. You can't get extra no. miles by descending down a hill. You can't get out of your saddle. Really, there's no flexibility in, in, yeah. the, in the in the turbo trainer and the bike. So yeah, it took it took its toll. But for me, it was you know I just wanted to, you know, I, obviously it was VE day. So yeah. I, the two aims of that day we had start his miles of kindness. Yeah. Um, obviously, which to raise awareness for mental health awareness week, which the focus is kindness. Uh, yeah. But secondly, also 
to push direction to uh, Royal British Legion, who do a amazing event called London to Paris. And it is actually London to Paris, 288 miles. But yeah. other than in one day, you spread it over four days. So that, exactly. that, was, the, that was the aim of that. So I, I, I thought, well, why not try it in a day? Um, but yeah, probably not one of our best ideas, but yeah. It's, but you smashed it. You yeah. completed it, you know, so you got yeah. it done. And, and I, I like to I like to raise the bar, and you always need Definitely. to try and challenge yourself as well. You know, just keep keep pushing that bar and see what the realms of possible is. Yeah, definitely. Because I know, obviously, talk about the British Legion. Obviously, we. I mean, it seems like two minutes since last time we were speaking in Chelsea. You know, it's flown over. And I know you've been obviously mega busy. Like you say, you're doing the um, Scottish miles, uh, miles of Kindness there. Um, and that's obviously to raise that £14,000 in this in 30 days. Now, that's, you know, absolutely amazing. Like, so what is it? So are you hitting that ch uh, target now? Are you... No, we're not, we're not really near target. We're about 5,000. But to be honest, no. not, for me, the main aim of that campaign was um, obviously to raise awareness of mental health week, which yeah, was kindness. But also the main aim and also physical activity, I just wanted to get people to be active. Yeah, so definitely. even just if it's just the messaging of being kind of being active, then I feel like I've, I've, I've contributed a lot. But no, we're about £5,000, which is going to be a great boost towards some of the charities. But definitely. Um, also conscious as well. I don't want to keep plugging people for money and, and things yeah. like that because you know, these are troublesome times for a lot of people as well. So if they can, even if you just went out and did the five miles on a bike or yeah. walking, then I would be happy. Definitely, definitely. Like you said, that's a positive from a very, like a potential negative situation where people are going to go out and they, you know, and it could be something where they could get out that comfort zone and it's like to just get them, get out there, get some fresh air exercise that really works well for everybody. Yeah, and I mean, I think that is one of the positives from this, this situation we're in at the moment. I'm seeing so many more cyclists and, and, and runners and actually families going out for a walk. I, I don't know if it was that busy before or, and I was just so, um, I was just blinkered to it. But no, yeah. there is a massive increase in, in that physical activity because, you know, that is their own opportunity to get out. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, I've I was chatting to someone yesterday, one of my friends, a bike mechanic, and he can't even fit me in my bike until the end of June. You know, he struggles yeah. to buy bikes online. So really, this is starting to take off. And then obviously, as we, the, the roadmap then opens and we can start um, going back to normality, if we ever do return to normality, I think the preferred option of travel would be uh, walking or cycling. Definitely, definitely. Which is, then that's a massive positive in itself. Oh. You know, it, you know it's, it's funny in one way how a situation like this, it's how it changes the whole dynamic from yeah. people that were on, like, obviously public transport, but now getting those options of, like, walking, running, cycling. So there's a lot of positives from, like, potential negative, which is always the great thing. I think we were just so busy. Uh, I was guilty of it myself. We were just so busy and blinking, yeah. looking forward. We weren't aware of what was going on around us at, at all. So all of a sudden, you know, stop. You know, take, 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 a, take a back seat. Identify what's important and actually what isn't. A lot of people are probably reassessing definitely their, their, their lifestyles um uh, before this and what they may do afterwards so I'm, I'm sort of hoping you know that physical activity will be one that people will take time for themselves to go out for a walk for an hour keep doing that with the family you know my daughter i've just taught her to learn a uh, learn to ride a bike during this during Brilliant. this lockdown. and you know she's a little bit older than some of her other friends are riding bikes so i just didn't get time to spend that quality time with her and now she's got that and she's She's off. She's going for my record soon. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. So I was just going to obviously jump in. Obviously, you've seen the format itself. I like to keep it very like loose, but keep it uh, obviously a bit of a structure there. So, I mean, for everybody obviously watching and then uh, listening later on. Uh, so for yourself, and I've, obviously I've personally heard your story, and it, it is such an amazing story. I mean, literally when we were obviously Veteran State of Mind live that night, and you know, and, and you could just see, and I mean, potentially hiding guns in deserts, that was a highlight for me. But yeah. like, if you just like to just give a bit of a backstory for yourself, you know, just to give everybody that overview yeah so those that don't, don't know me obviously i was um uh, i born into a military family I, I went down that military route you know the first hurdle i had was when my father told me i'd last two minutes in the military yeah. which i've sort of taken as a as a strength moving forward that fire in the belly and went on to be uh joined uk special forces um i was one of the first army guys to go special boat service and not special air service and this is about 16 years uh, that I'd been in. But then, unfortunately, I had a, um, a life-changing injury. I had a, a parachute accident, which restricted me from running again. I tore my ACL, my MCL, my lateral meniscus, my hamstring, my quad, you know, everything, all the supporting muscles as well. And unfortunately, that was it. That was the end of my, my career moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, all I'd ever known up until that point was that military. And the military are very good. They're like your mother, your father, they clove, they feed you, they pay you on Definitely. time, you know. I didn't know what council tax band I was paying or who provides the heat, and I didn't care because yeah. I was doing a job that I loved. Uh, to then be told, you know, thank you for your service, you're no longer required. And then, you know, I did, I've done a lot of um, interviews with other professional sports people. There's a lot of parallels between special forces and professional sport, sports guys and girls that you spent your career building yourself up to be the best that you can be and, and, operate, and operating in, in the environments that we're operating or performing in, in stadiums in front of thousands exactly. of people. To all of a sudden have that, your legs taken from you and then just be told like you're no longer required. It's that, um, it's an identity crisis. Definitely. It's picking yourself up again and starting all over. And, you know, you're so focused, especially the special forces and the professional sports people, they're so focused and, and disciplined to then try and, you know, change that in, a, in another direction, put those energies into something different. So for me, you know, without sounding like Liam Neeson, the natural progression for me was the private security industry. And um, again, to add to, the, add to the stress, my wife was eight months pregnant at the time, you know, is there gonna be enough work out there? All these questions and all these things going on in your head, um, wondering if I'll be able to support my family again. And also in the back of my mind, I'm not physically fit like I used yeah. to be and as you mentioned I, I found a niche within the industry when I was in Libya um, I know, identified that a lot of these security companies were charging six-figure sums for crisis management and evacuation plans which weren't actually in place and so yeah I bought 30 weapons on the black market and uh, I buried them between Tunis and Egypt and just made my own evacuation plans and that gave me a great foothold within the industry and uh, two two great stories evacuating a German oil company in, from Benghazi to Tripoli, and then two years later, you know, successfully evacuating the Canadian embassy, eighteen military and four diplomats back to Tunis. But sounds very, as I say, very sexy in Hollywood. It's actually all about communication. It's understanding yeah, the demographics, the politics. It wasn't about swinging out down the side of buildings with the best-looking weapons and things like that. Yeah. Understanding the cultures. And just communicating with the right people. And so, yeah, I came home from that trip. And that's when, that's when the sort of the pin had dropped about uh, myself. Because I'd, 
I, for me, that was the norm, evacuating embassies and burying weapons and yeah. working on my own in the likes of Yemen and Somalia. That was, that was my norm. I was comfortable yeah. in those environments. Yeah, yeah. For others, were probably very uncomfortable. I'd literally disconnected from society. Yeah. And so I came home and Alana obviously made me aware that, you know, you are taking risks, you know, you, yeah. you shouldn't be, you know, come join her and, and everything else. So, um, so that's what I did. And I'd only, I'd identified, I'd only been home 21 days in that 365 yeah. day calendar. I was trying to match that adrenaline rush I had. Yeah, definitely. I was still in without actually coming to terms with the fact that I, I'd left the military and everything else. So, um, yeah, chapter 16 in the book is called Dead or Divorce. And that was the sort yeah. of period of my life we were at this point. And, um, Alana's a, a property developer and I started you know, joining her doing property developing. But this period that I left the military from a five-year period, my, my injured leg was two kilos lighter than my, my good leg. And so I just decided to buy a push bike. Um, but straight away, just being active again, you know, I wasn't pushing big miles. I wasn't doing any races. I was just being physically active. I just felt a huge uh, weight off my shoulders. I just felt I had a purpose again. And, um, but as you can say, with my backstory, sat in these architects and planners meetings, you know, yeah. it's been something I had to change. So I decided to uh, apply for a world record. I always fancied doing a world record. It was about a month before my 40th birthday. Yeah. So um, I, was, I applied for a world record for the world's longest road, the longest motorable road from uh, Southern Argentina to Northern Alaska. And um, so, yeah, that was it. That was the the birth of the Pan-American Highway. I and mean, then the campaign-wise, I didn't really have a campaign that I was focusing on. And um, the Duke of Sussex and I are good friends, and we've done a lot with charity behind closed doors up until now, especially with the military. And so he was my first port of call, you know, probably one of the best philanthropists in the world. You know, I made him aware of my intentions of this challenge. And this was 2016, and he, he, he made me aware of a campaign called Heads Together, which is a mental health campaign, yeah. as you know, which covers the whole spectrum from postnatal depression, young children, teenagers, and through. And I was aware about mental health in the military, but I wasn't aware how big an issue I was without the whole of society. So, um, so he said, would I do it for that? And I said, yeah, of course. And that was the, that was the birth of that campaign, uh, the bike ride. That was the start of the bike ride. Yeah, because definitely, because I know Lana, you know, said it was almost like you felt like, as she sent us on this massive long bike ride just to get us out the house, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe something a bit shorter, and my wife then yeah. found the world, you know, longest road. And, and for some of your listeners, like, you know, 14,000 miles, when you look at it on paper, it doesn't sound that bad. But when you, when you look at the curvature of the earth, you know, yeah. it's a from London to Sydney and then 4,000 miles, it's huge. It's a huge uh, distance. And, and having only cycled 20 miles, it was almost like a lot of people say it's like, it was almost the audacity that you had in applying for it. But for me, I like to be the underdog. I prefer yeah. to be the underdog. Uh, you can sit and argue with someone till you're blue in the face, or you can actually just go away, do it, and, and, yeah. then, and then obviously that speaks volumes. Yeah, because I found out myself with that whole challenge, like everything, of, of, obviously I know your story well, and I, know, I can see that transition from, obviously from the military to, you know, everything you've done to then do this, uh, this you know, 14,000 mile bike ride. And it's yeah. like your military mind was in plan, preparation, execution. Yeah. It was everything you've done from, they said military, private security to the, uh, to the bikes. Everything you've done is that military mindset of like, right, plan, prepare you know you're preparing execution everything's done in that in that strict form isn't it that's it yeah you know i, did, I wasn't a cyclist i just took everything i knew from my previous life and, and dropped yeah. it in the military 
are very good in in that meticulous planning and, and detail and that and that's what was important for this and also discipline uh yeah. and discipline in myself and you know endurance wise i knew i had it you know having past selection i've been in large yeah. courses before uh, it was just then having to transfer those skills into something or a discipline i've never done before and then as i started evolving as a cyclist i then knew about cycling and then introduced that in into the plan yeah, definitely. Because that's what I've seen as well on that journey, that personal evolution and a development. So how you've evolved, you've taken all those skills you've learned. And I know one of them that was actually really surprised is when I asked you, like, uh, what, what's, like what's toughest, you know, what's uh, of selection? And you said it was actually the divers course. And I was like, yeah. you know, and, and it's like when people say, because obviously it has all joined as one now. It's just UK Special Forces selection mm -hmm. now. So it's just that one course. And it did surprise us because it was like, obviously I know the course well. And I just, uh, you know, that it's when you see it of all the different aspects of those courses and how like you've taken that evolution from that and it's taken all the skill set, applying them on everything that you've done. And the one thing that you picked up really well there was, like you said, on professional sports people, they've got that focus on the game, focus on what they're doing. But the part would, I think that separates, say, a professional sports person from, say, special forces is the adapt and overcome part. It's what yeah. when things go wrong. You yeah, know, that's essentially what you focus on, isn't it? I think it's a bit different. The difference between the sports people and, and obviously the special forces is that, you know, they're, they're being told they have coaches, they have nutritionists, yeah. that, whereas you're on the ground, you're having to make those decisions for yourself. So that, that, that's the two, two big differences there. But yeah, I, mean, I, I think you're, um, I think for me, when I got to that period of my life, you know, you know, someone mentioned the other day, and I thought it was a great, uh, great saying. You, you, you can't be experienced without experiences. I have so many experiences from before that yeah. I sort of, when it came to it on the challenge, I sort of, you know, dipped into that, dipped into, you know, remember back then, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And, and, yeah. and that's, that's three, three big questions I always ask, you know, uh, what worked, what didn't work, you can do it again, what would you do differently? You know, you, I see people, some people who, you know, they have issues. I mean, next time they're on a challenge, they have the same issues. They haven't learned from their previous mistakes. Yeah. People always make mistakes. There's always going to be situations out of your control. And it's just how you sort of adapt to them, you know, and react to them. Um, and again, you mentioned it there, it's how, how we react to the situation on the ground, which is, which is key, which again, that sort of, especially the special forces wise, we're very uh, expeditionary. Um, yeah. in the fact we'll go to places where there probably isn't any infrastructure and you just need to yeah. make, make it happen um, yeah definitely definitely because you've only got to work off obviously the intel that you've been receiving and then when you get on the ground it's like there's nothing better than actually seeing it for yourself so you can yeah. see it in front of you but it's also taking that back step and then look at taking that like wider look at yourself it's like everything like you said yourself and i know obviously you're you great believe obviously breaking every task down break yeah. it down to the smallest form like which is especially what something that i've always put out to people if i do something myself it's always break everything don't don't look at it is that like always call it it's like the chocolate bar theory so you you have this chocolate bar you can't swallow it whole you have to break it into different in smaller pieces so it's essentially just keep breaking those tasks down yeah. don't make it you know and i can see that as well like you said if you look at when you went through say selection and then you did the um the bike ride you you've done it is same format it's like look yeah. at special uh, the selection break it down one day at a time same yeah. as the bike ride one day at a time until somebody went to uh, was it i remember you you saying as well how somebody uh, they jumped in at almost the last moment and said i'll do it in this type amount x amount of days and you were like right i'm gonna have to step my game up here somewhere yeah well that was it yeah so i 
you know, you're going back to your breaking it down, you know, selection six months long, you, you start day one, and you don't think about six months later, you just think about what's in front of you that day and get out of yeah. the way. But yes, it's still good to have visualization though, of thinking, yes, when I finish this, that I'm wearing the berry and the belt. So that always, yeah. always works. So visualization is a good motivator as well. But the, um, with, the, uh, with the bike run, I broke the countries down into, into sections, into countries, into section, uh, yeah. into days, sorry, in days into four stages. So for me, it was just actually doing four fifth sessions a day. It wasn't yeah. doing a real record attempt. And before you know it, you, you're naturally, you've done a day, you've done a week, you've done a country uh, and everything else. So, so that's what uh, was, was, was key for me. And that sort of my knowledge from my time in special forces for that helped. Yeah, definitely. And I know there was a little bit of extra motivation as well. We had to get to a certain point for a certain time to get back for a certain occasion, didn't you? Yeah, but that wasn't the plan, actually. So you talked about the planning. When I, when I put it on pe uh, pen to paper, I sort of looked at all the potential scenarios that we, yeah. we could come across and then, you know, looked at contingency plans and then tertiary plans for that. Yeah. Um, but there were certain things that were out of my control, you know, natural yeah. disasters, coups in countries, you know, third party yeah. influence. So... The world record was 117 days. And so I, gave, I was aiming for 110. So I had that yeah. one week fudge. So should we have a situation like that, it was eating yeah. that week and not my challenge. So I, I was aiming for 110. And I got to North America on day 70. And I was 14 days ahead. And I was like, perfect. I can take my yeah. foot the gas if need be. Uh, we're in a great, strong position. And then my wife called me and told me we'd been invited to Harry and Meghan's wedding, which, as you mentioned, just changed dynamics completely yeah. so for me to get back I had to be finished by day 102 so going in to the phone call you know you're 14 days ahead yeah. 10 minutes later I'm now one day behind so all my efforts from the previous 70 days have counted for nothing you're actually now still behind your, your target so <laughs> that was a motivator pushing forward for yeah. America and Canada and then as you rightly said then I, I then gained up a lot of time in America and yeah. I thought right you know the world record secure you know um, the royal weddings going to be uh, I'm going to get back for this and then yes a um, professional cyclist had come out on social media that day and announced that he's got like three other endurance records for cycling that he was yeah. going to take off in August and be the first man to do it under 100 days so I was like you know, here we go. <laughs> the dynamics have changed again. So, but fortunately, I was in a position I could act on it. You know, I thought, you know, I thought, well, no, if I don't give it my all, yeah, and and I, you know, if I don't make it under hundred days, I don't make it under hundred days. But if I don't give my all and I'm giving my everything, then I won't be able to live with myself. You know, for you know, going on, you'd be questioning yourself yeah. back here. Well, maybe if I just pushed a bit harder. But I just gave it my all, and I cycled for twenty-two hours in the last thirty hours in minus eighteen to make sure that I came in under the 100 days so not only did i smash the record and then my legacy was i became the first man in history to do under 100 days exactly exactly that's something to be massively obviously proud of as well um because yeah. i because i know you obviously you like you said as well when you hit like north america you were also using technology obviously to help you in the form like obviously windy tv apps windy you know use everything that's there that can like that's something that obviously with any kind of like what i always try and say on coaching side is use whatever's available to yourself yeah get to that end goal and like rightly so you use that to you and thought right okay i can then plan it and i can that'll help me in my preparation and to get to that point so you knew what was potentially ahead of yourself yeah exactly you know use what as you mentioned use what you what's available to you i'd never heard of windy tv until i met yeah. um two of the guys who had the south america world record in dubai and 
yeah, without a doubt, it was, it was known as my second wife. I was always looking at it. You know, any time I was off the bike, yeah. I was, and again, but it, 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 when it was back in, in Patagonia, it was really windy. Yeah. Frustrating seeing that there's actually no no layup in the wind uh, yeah. at all. But when I got to North America, you know, we had to, in South America and Central America, we were um, basically dictated by first and last light. But it was so dangerous yeah. to cycle at night. You know, we didn't want to be on the roads in the evening in, in South America. But when I got to North America, um, you know, a fortunate security situation is a lot better. So I could cycle at night. And so obviously when I got the phone call about the wedding, um, I got to Lubbock in Texas the day after. And I got grounded with 60 mile an hour winds and tornadoes. So I was now two yeah, days yeah. behind. Yeah. So I just put pen to paper from Windy TV. Because the strength and directions of the wind forecasted for the next yeah. two weeks. And it's 95% accurate. And most of the time, the winds have subsided in the evenings, you know, when it gets darker. So the majority of my cycling was done in the evening. But I just basically played chess with Mother Nature through uh, yeah. North America. I had 17 days planned for North America. I did it in 11 and a half. But also then worked in my favor. I got to Cheyenne in Wyoming and picked up a nice tailwind, and, uh, 50 mile an hour tailwind. And I covered 260 miles in 11 and a half hours. So, so that's what I did. I just used what resources uh, were there available to me. And, and just, you know, went from there. But it is strange that we started back in Argentina. We had it all digital. We had it on our phones, you know, yeah. backed up on the, um, uh, we printed it all off as well. We backed it up in what we called the Bible. But actually yeah. when I got to Alaska, the signals were dropping out. You know, your, your data wasn't working on your yeah. phone. And actually it was literally just going to the tourist shop and just grabbing a, a free local guide. And that just told, that, that was even more accurate as well. So how you go from Brilliant you know, data to just back to the basics. But that's something that's another thing, because if you think about it, all them skill sets and, it, and you fancy where in, like, say, the military, if you had, like, GPS then and drop, that dropped out and you've got to then go back to map reading, it's yeah. the same as using that mindset, constantly evolving it, constantly adapting to every situation, like you're saying. Because, yeah. like, obviously, technology is great when it works and it's the worst when it doesn't, when it's down and it's yeah. back to basics. And I, do you think that's something that people kind of struggle with because we're such a technical, technological, like driven like, um, yeah, society we, we, now? We are a technology driven, um, you know, world at the moment. And that, that's why on special boards of selection, you don't use GPS, you still yeah. use map and compass because when yeah. everyone else is struggling, you can still navigate around. But it's even like <clears throat> the likes of data on, yeah. on the bike, the bike computers, people are fixated with, their power and their heart rate yeah. and everything else. But each day is very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many contributing factors, be it fatigue, you know, hunger, just, you know, altitude, yeah. heat, the lot. That these all have a, have, have a effects on, on the way you're performing. So I actually ignored that. I, I had my, kept my speed and my uh, distance, so I knew what I was doing. But I just went on how I felt. I always go on how I feel rather than that because people can get too fixated on that I and mean, they'll try and compare it to something else. And, you know, I mean, every day is different. So, you know, people are, you know, technology is great. It's a great training aid and things like that. Yeah. But yes, you know, it's interesting to see when, when it does drop down, how people struggle without it. Exactly, exactly. Because I know, like, obviously, going on to, like, obviously, everything you've done is, is obviously from doing the ride, doing the bike ride. And I know, obviously, you're, you uh, obviously back uh, doing jujitsu as well, reorg there as well. So that's like another mindset because I know myself obviously doing martial arts, like anywhere it's physical activity. But I also found myself with martial arts. I found it was one of those things. It's not only just a family, but it's 
it's essentially it's that where your mindset you've got to constantly think about the situation which is another great area yeah no it, it is yeah it's 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 a great um you know it, it's great you know just any sort of physical activity you do but like i say whether it's martial arts or people like your partner yeah. like being part of a community it's that tribe thing yeah. very similar to the, to the military you feel like you belong or you, you're part of that group and people like to be part of a tribe and that's where i talk about the identity crisis when you've yeah. left one tribe and it's like well where do i where do i go now who do i fit in so things like sporting or martial arts are yeah. great because then you feel like you have a purpose and you belong in that community yeah definitely definitely because i found that like i found that myself and i think like with the whole with everything with that's essentially like you said the identity area because people have done that role and they've literally it's eat, sleep, breathe that role for however, however many years you've done from, yeah. you know, for, from five years to 22 years, you know, you, you've got to look at it and then people step out. But also one of the areas that I potentially looked at, and I think it was yourself, um, you get sent, obviously sent that link for the YouTube for the Joe Rogan and about the yeah. TBIs. You know, we talked about that and it was the, the area of that, because I think now people are really looking into this area of like, how does it happen? Why does it affect certain people? And I know myself that, you know, when you look at areas such as mental health, and that's one of the great, you know, reasons, obviously, us speaking today being Mental Health Awareness Week. And I think really what it is, is it has got better. It really has got better, you know, yeah. in the last, like, you know, 20 years. I know myself back in, you know, the early 2000s, it was something that was still never even spoke about. It was, yeah, it was yeah, like no. an unsaid conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and I think the Heads Together campaign, obviously, you know, William, Kate and Harry getting behind that was, was a huge thing that, that mass, made massive awareness. Um, so, yeah, you no, know, it is very much people are talking about it, which is good. Yeah. yeah. But people still, you know, it's, it's the actions. It's, you know, I, I, think, I still feel that um, people are still learning. People are always still yeah. learning about it. You know what I mean? You know, there isn't a, you know, a you know, a cure, a cure, one, one, one stop cure or, or medicine yeah. that helps, you know, everyone is unique, everyone is different, everyone has different coping mechanisms. I think the, the, the main thing really is that people are aware of it and understand it more. You know what I mean? When people, you know, sort of close down, they sort of understand well, what, what they're going for or are able to approach them and ask if they're okay rather than be sort of tarnished with, oh, they're a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Is that steer clear? Steer clear of them. It's, it's not that, you know. So, I think um, I think we're still learning. I think we are still learning. Yeah. I think we're at the early stages, you know, you know, the, the best thing is that we actually we're aware of it now, which everyone is. Exactly. Um, and it's just now how to sort of move forward uh, from that. But it's great to see that you know the military have got their their own sort of. I think they did one called Head Fit the other day, or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so that they're introducing in that, but also the corporates as well. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely, because I think it's got to expand on that. But like you said, you you hit on the right word there, education. I think that's essentially what the more we can educate people, and then obviously, as, as people like ourselves who like, talk about our own experiences, I think that's people think that and think, well, if you can speak about it. Yeah. then that's obviously given us you know, other people that maybe that little, even if it's, and I know like obviously uh, people like, I know it's um, Guest Jones, it's, it's, it said something on a podcast the other day and he said like literally even a lot of people have given a good feedback um, about the show and obviously that will include a lot of other podcasts as well, but it, maybe it's just the message people want to hear. It's, you know, it's okay to talk. You, you can yeah. open up about this. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a, a bad word anymore it's like it is out there but it's also education isn't it 
is it, no, it is as well. You know, that whole taboo about it being a weakness and things like that, I think what, what's, uh, you know, it doesn't discriminate. So the fact no. that someone from the royal family can talk about it or someone yeah. from the special forces can talk about it, well, they're like, well, you know, rugby players, you know, these big, yeah. muscly guys, you know, these yeah. guys are, are happy to open up about their stories then, then you know, then anyone, anyone can. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that's myself. I think what I've the biggest improvement I've seen in over the last like probably ten years now. Because before that, I never really saw much of it. But it's really been in that last ten year span. And I think what it is is that biggest is the part is education. Let's just keep like putting it, but like make it sure that what you what you're talking about is accurate. What you're talking about is, you know, you go to reliable sources. Go and like you know, what I mean, because we have still got a long, long way to go to understand it. And I know, like, there are scientists out there that are potentially looking at different areas. Like, uh, they, I know that was that one from the Joe Rogan where doctors in the States are basically looking at people's health, you know, yeah. looking at how that affects. And then, obviously, how it affects people who have been uh, diagnosed with, like, the, obviously, TBIs, PTSD. Yeah. And I found that actually it was inflammation in the brain and inflammation okay. in the body. So that was essentially, so it's almost like you can get TBI off going off a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's so it's that impact, that impact yeah. constant. But it's also your own health, and that's what, and that's another thing as well, which I've seen as well. People are doing a lot more activities, a lot more healthier eating. There's so many positives that positives out there. But the other part of it is you you can suggest different ideas, but it's for that person to then take it up for themselves to do something, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, I mean, everyone, like I say, everyone, everyone's unique. I'm still learning about mental health. I yeah. To this by accident in fact that you know i did the bite right but for me you know there is free coping mechanism there is communication which is great you know yeah. uh physical activity i'll always bang on about i'll always bang on about being physically active but i mean the other one's obviously medication which we want to sort of try and try and avoid but yeah. edu education is key and i see someone asking the question you're not think people are taking advantage i think i mentioned yeah. it um at the national army museum and i've seen it you know with some of the militaries that yes it's great that we've identified it yeah but let's not you know a lot of people are sort of taking advantage of that and then those actually yeah. genuinely need help are now at the back of the queue so it's, yeah. it's sort of being able and i think the more education we we have then we'll sort of be able to identify that you know those that you know genuinely need that and those that are just like yeah just sort of taking advantage of the situation definitely yeah. definitely because i know that's something that obviously um and glenn was there that evening and uh, obviously glenn horton and he gave yeah. it, and as soon as i heard him speak i was like you're asking the right questions now yeah, yeah it was yeah. is this guy is passionate about this yeah, and yeah. you can see he is asking the right questions what can he, we he, do he asked help? the right question i don't think you like my response though when i said <laughs> a lot of people are taking the piss you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah and but it's true, though. You could yeah. see it there because obviously yeah. he's there as an ambassador for mental health. Yeah. But then I'm sort of saying that, well, yes, but, you know, there are a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, which yeah. are then affecting those that genuinely need it. And, and I think that will only, again, you know, come. But then again, it's, cause it's neurological. You cannot say, no, you no. don't have a problem. And that's the, that's the problem. It's like, and I do feel for ones who genuinely, genuinely need help. And they, they are at the back of the queue because there's a big queue in front of them. Um, so, but that's just yeah. something that they need to do and filter out. Yeah, definitely. Because I know myself, and I've, I've admitted it for myself, when obviously I was diagnosed, it took me 10 years. Yeah. Now, over that period of time, it was just anxiety, panic attacks. But what it was, was it was identified as being, it was, yes, percentage, like 25% was in the military. Just because I'm a veteran doesn't mean that yeah. it comes 
from the military and it was 75% civilian. And I think that's yeah. what a lot of people have got to identify. A lot of times it can be the, the signs and symptoms start happening a few years, maybe after leaving service. And then, yeah. but what is triggering it? Is it from yeah. the actually even like that transition period? Is that what's kicking off financial? You know, like you said, yeah. when you've left, you, ha you were like, what do, yeah. am I doing? What, I think, you know? I think the military, I think because you're, if you're a veteran, straight away, yeah. you're very quick to be diagnosed PTSD. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. no, because I think 75% of those that have post-traumatic stress in the military has got nothing to do with their time in the military. Yeah. It's actually their time as, as children. And it's yeah. just triggers that they've had in the military that brought that back up. Exactly. So, um, but, you know, and I, and I think they were quick to diagnose PTS, um, you know, because I don't say PTSD because it isn't a disorder. Yeah. yeah. Stress. Um, well, and a friend of mine, you know, he got diagnosed it. And actually, when he spoke to someone, they're like, no, you don't actually have it. You've just yeah. got a bit of depression. You've got a few things going on in your life. Um, yeah. Because I think we're quite good at being able to handle maybe one or two issues. But when, when yeah. they start accumulating, and, and the key one is when guys and girls do transition. There's yeah. so many other stresses. I mean, a lot of people get divorced and things like that. It's the accumulation of things. It actually probably isn't post-traumatic stress. It's just depression or... They just need help with a couple of things. They're actually probably not that bad. But yeah, I think, I think it, they are very bad in the, in the military or they were in sort of, yeah. you know, throwing that at you. You've got PTS. Well, I haven't. I've just, yeah. just got through a messy divorce with my wife and transitioning. Yeah. I mean, I just need, I just need some <laughs> help. You know what exactly, I mean? exactly. Because I think they're quick in that sense. They're quick to just throw that label on because then it gives you that label there. Okay, that's it. Next, right? Yeah. You've got it. Next. It's almost like play, throwing out like yeah. playing cards. Oh, next, next. And I think that's another bit, the area that need to really work on. And I know myself because essentially, like you said, and and it is right. It's like a, what I've described. It's a bit like a pressure cooker. You start putting all these ingredients in. You could be like finance, divorce. It could be family. It could be moving. It could be houses. It could be anything. And it's all these different ingredients get put in this pressure cooker, put the lid on, and then yeah. it's all boiling up. And you've got a lid. And I think what it is, is if people stopped and then broke everything down once again to those small, those one by one, and identified them, right. work your way through each one. And then it's also, it's like you said, get that, find that. I always use it as like a release valve. It's like yeah. find something, exercise. You know, it could be like that, cycling, walking, running, martial arts. There's there's a hundred and one things out there. There's more things out there now than there ever has been, really. Yeah, true. And and I think that's what it is. If people can identify and look at their life and break it down into the, you know, what is a physically affecting them or things they are like always like, and I know you've said it before, things what you can control and what things you can't control. So people identify and they're too, they're too quick on the mark of, well, everything I can't control. They think, actually, you can. Because yeah. we are, as humans, we can take a lot of stress or we yeah. can, like, high levels of adrenaline. We, we can naturally have this going through our bodies and we can take it to a certain point. But it's when everything else starts tumbling on top and then that's like, how do you deal with that? And I think that's what it is. People panic and then they think, right, freeze. And it's kind of like, what do I do next? And I think that's the position essentially people find themselves in. But it's yeah. about breaking them, breaking their life down. And I think what it is, is if everybody done that, yes, we can educate people the best we can. This is signs, symptoms, you know, PTS and other mental health issues. Yeah. But really, it's, let's look at this person's life. Yeah. Break it down into the smallest section. And then, you know, you see patterns where people think, actually, if you take that out, you, you can't control that. Yeah. Take that out of the equation. You can control that. Keep that in. Take out and, and break it down into like once again. They might actually find that it's not as bad as what it actually seems. There's always no. a solution. 
no, no, it, it is. And that, again, you know, the, I sort of see uh, patterns with people who are leaving and uh, got on the FEMA military now and people are leaving and those that are suffering and those that aren't. And actually you look around and it's their support network. You know, yeah. those that have got a very supporting wife and family seem to do all right. And those yeah. who are getting divorced or on their own really, really struggle. I mean, you know, in the military, the career transition partnership, you know, teach you how to write a CV and, and interview techniques. Well, I've never written a CV and I've never had yeah. an interview. You know, who do I need to speak to in my local council yeah. about, you know, my, my council tax bill, you know, all those sort of things, which are those little accumulations that there's ingredients yeah. in, the, in the pressure cooker. But I, I'm working with a group called Positive Transition who are now aiding those uh, veterans that are leaving. So hopefully, again, it's that education. They're starting to learn from mistakes. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we were in, and there wasn't yeah. that place. There was and nothing there. It was... And our fathers as well, you know, God knows yeah. what it's been like for them before social media or, or being able to communicate. Yeah. Once you're Definitely. out the gates, that's you out the gates. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, because I found that myself. It's like kind of you went back all them years. They're only offering guys like either a, it was either a Microsoft qualification in South Africa, or they only went for the holiday. Half of them, I'm sure they did. Or it was a bodyguarding courses. You know, it was just the traditional courses that you found yourself on. Now I think there's a lot more out there where companies can help, and they, you know, there's some great ones out there that are helping. You know, and I think that's what it is because veterans have got so much skill set. Because when you break it down. You know, take away the actual service part, but look at the skill set. Yeah. You know, you've got leadership, you've got management. We're all basically micro, like mini managers in ourselves, more yeah. ever, from the first day. You know, accountability, you know, discipline. There's so many different, you yeah. know, skill sets. If people actually look themselves and how they can adapt that and put that in civilian life, there's yeah. so many people that just said, I want to take veterans on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, you touched on there with so many transferable skills. Yes, we don't yeah. have degrees and things like that, but being able to work in, in pressured environments yeah. um, and also achieving our objectives, you know, in the time that I've been out, you, you see certain projects or, or companies and, you know, if it's all going well, it's all going well. But as soon as things start failing, you know, it's like before it's even failed, it's like, well, who's to blame? Well, like, well don't worry about yeah. who's to blame. How are we yeah. still going to achieve the aim? And that's where the military guys and girls do really well in the fact that they, they'll just get the job done regardless. Yeah. Of however long exactly. they need to work, you know, whatever hours they need to put in. And, and that's, that's a skill set you, you, you can't pay for. You know, someone, someone mentioned the other day is that the military with the experiences, there's nothing in City Street which can replicate that. There's not enough money for you to be able to give you the experiences that you have that you're in the military. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's so great about the veterans when they're, when they're coming out. Yeah, definitely. I know somebody obviously um, had asked a question there, and it's uh, obviously just a quick one here. Yeah, so, sure. obviously, can you ask to try and go into selection? Can you what, sorry? Try and go, uh, try, can you ask to try and go into selection? So, can you ask to go into selection itself? Oh, can you ask to go into selection? So, um, so if, if you're in the military already, you need to have served yeah. a minimum of um, three years um, yeah. before you apply for, for selection. I think the, you can actually come from Civvy Street. You can either go in the, in the TA as well, yeah. um, but you can actually, I think there are cases where you can go from a civilian straight in if you go through LDET through yeah. the FAS. But obviously you're behind the curve there because you don't have that military experience. So the best, the best way to do it is, is go in and serve at least three years uh, and apply it. What they what they are good at now is that the um, days be years before when guys used to go on selection, not actually know what selection's about. Yeah. You only get two lives on selection, um, and they'd waste their life because they either weren't fit enough or didn't do enough military skills training or, or map reading. That now yeah. you do a week at 
pool or a week at Hereford, whichever way you want to go. And you do, and on that week, you will have physical tests, military skills tests, everything else. And they will let you know whether you're ready to go on the next selection or whether you need to do a little bit more work, which is good. So you go for that process. Yeah, definitely. And I know one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest fans with selection now, because I know um, like it could, I'm not sure exactly when the time is, you potentially would know. Um, at one point, it was Special Boat Service was only Royal Marines only. It was a three-year service and then it was only predominantly Royal Marines that could apply for it. That was it, yeah. So that's when yeah. I sort of broke the mould with that, me and a couple of guys, yeah. the, the first guys to go from the army. But what it was was the, the special boat service were, were losing Marines to the SAS yeah. because a lot of Marines yeah. didn't like the diving. So yeah. they could go to SAS. So yeah. they sort of realised, well, why, why um, we're missing a, missing a trick here? So then they opened in yeah. tri-services. And I'm obviously Royal Engineers. And yeah. Royal Engineers, we have about nearly 500 divers anyway who are yeah. all... As I mentioned to you, it's probably one of the hardest courses that I've, I've yeah. ever done. And yeah, so yeah, I sort of broke the mould and um, went, went that way, much to disgust of my friends in Hereford. But um, I think 15% now, I think it's about 15% are, are army. So it's sort of like, you know, it, it can be done. Yes, it's difficult in, in, in being one of the first ones to do it because yeah. there's no such thing as being the grey man. You know, everyone's got, everyone's, exactly. got, everyone's got a target on you. Yeah, definitely. Because I know that was that. Obviously, that uh, what I, I thought it was that uh, brilliant. It's like when you were asked why go there, and you had that obviously the picture, yeah, and it was yeah. like that's why. And everyone's like, fair play, right? Go on. <laughs> and I was mean, you have to again, you have to have a sense of humour in, in in the military. Exactly. Yeah. Every day when I got to the checkpoint, I was asked, you know, why are you going, why are you going pool and not Hereford? And I said, oh, I like diving, and that yeah. answer. So yeah, I I, I, I printed off a uh, a. a sent a page in the Sun newspaper of topless women on the beach in Bournemouth in the, in the middle of the summer and just laminated and put it in my pocket and said, oh, because that's, that's not in Hereford. And yeah, I didn't have to pick up a rock again. You know, I was yeah. to pick up rocks before then. So, uh, and they just, and they, they liked it. They thought, yeah, good sense of humor. And I just put it in my pocket. I think that's what it is as well. It's having that sense of humor. Because essentially, like you're saying, I know myself when I've like, when things are being a bit like chaotic around and I just start laughing at the most simplest of yeah. things, but it's, it's that great black humor that we've learned to develop because there's always that given saying, you can always yeah. tell when things are going bad because, you know, because we're laughing, we're carrying on, we're doing yeah. jokes, but you know, it, it's, it's that stress relief. We it's find big, it in dark it's humor. It's a coping mechanism as well. Yeah. It's a coping mechanism, you know, from some of the, some of the dark times, things you may have seen and experience, you know, you have to have a sense of humour. Absolutely, because I know I, I obviously um, a few years back and I was doing one job and then I had been really bad day, pure rain. It was just, you know, it was coming down, soaking through and I walked in. I said, I was a bit wet out there. And the boss just looked at us and he's, that's not a very positive thing to say. And I just don't think he understood that where I was, I was coming from because I was just literally thinking, you know, Hold on a minute, it's a bit wet out there, you know, just to see what he's saying. That was it. He just shut down on it. I think it's because we have that sense of humour where we can just yeah. joke at anything and we don't take ourselves serious. No, you know, we'll always, you know, laugh at everything. Don't, don't take yourself serious at all. Yeah, you've got, you've got to have that, that sense of humour. Because when it does get dark, you know, you need to be digging deep. And, you know, I, I know I used to be in some dark play or see some sim things and you know, one of the lads would just come out of a one line and he's like, brilliant. Yeah. It's totally yeah. brilliant everything and uh, you know, brings it back down to the ground again. Well, I think that's what it is. Is it, it like no matter what you're going through? I think it's just, uh, like I said that one liner or something will happen or break the ice where that attention can overflow. And I think that's what it is. Is it, it, just to look at life in that simple way of, you know, we're still here, we're still breathing. Yeah, yeah. Great. 
next you know and i i think that's what it is as well i think a lot of people put self-induced pressure on themselves and i think it's like that's another area that i've seen myself that people put themselves under pressure stop doing it because at the end of the day you're alive you've got so much potential inside yourself you've got the only person you've got to prove to is yourself you're your only competition essentially aren't you yeah yeah i know it's john good in there saying i haven't got a sense of humor He's probably lost his sense of humour because I had to, uh, had to, had to rescue him on his, on his commando course. He's still like, <laughs> that. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. But like, um, but I think that's what it is really. I think when you look at the essentially in life itself, I think you do pick up these little things that are you, are you basically your toolkit that I like to call it now is your mental health toolkit. Like I do a lot of meditation or I do like as much exercise as possible. And then obviously my knee's damaged. It's, it's, you know, will need surgery on it, but I'll still strap, put a strap on, you know, put it, strap it up, get it on and then just go for a run because it'll clear my head. It will just, yeah. you know, I think myself, the more I can help myself, the better I'm going to become. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that's what it is essentially, isn't it? Yeah, no, that, no, exactly. No, exactly, exactly. I'm just reading the little Sam's one. I say little, he's probably not even little. But if a Royal Marine joins the SAS, will he have to join Boat Troop? No, he won't. No, I think, no. I think what's, you know, if you have skill sets already when you go to your units, they then don't want to just put you in a troop that's already got that. They will rather give you another skill set. So, no, it's not. It's yeah. Not. Yeah, definitely, because they kind of work on your different skill sets anyway of what you've done previously. And I think that's another great thing as well. Now it's tri-service, because we even had, like, like at one point, we had, like, Royal Marines join us on board Ark Royal. Really? And, yeah. and that was essentially that point. That's when it was all changed when we were here. We had the RAF um, down at Cold Rose. You know, we all worked together, essentially. There was not everything separated. It was all doing that tri-service. And yeah. I think that was where it all changed. But it all changed, essentially, for the better. Yeah, yeah no, no, it, it did. I think, I think the likes of... Uh, Optelic, you know, the Iraq war, you know, it used to be like, you know, two nine commander would only be with the Marines. But then once the Marines saw how good the artillery were and engineers from other units, which didn't have green berets, they then realized that the only difference is these guys are a little bit fitter. Um, yeah. So yeah, so the likes of those, those um, conflicts brought everyone together and sort of appreciated all the other units as well, what they did. Yeah, because I think that's what it was. It was a lot more like a skill set put out there. But then, it, like, you've got the likes of SF, uh, SFSG there. So that yeah. was another one that opened. You know, all these different units all work, but essentially they're all working together. It, it's for that one goal. And yeah, I think what it is, it's brainchild. So they didn't have to disperse one para. That was what that exactly. was. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's what it is. And obviously, we're just coming up to the last 10 minutes here. Um, I mean, I always like to ask that one question. If you've got one bit of advice you could give, what would it be? Um, one bit of advice. Um, what have I got? The one I always use is, is anticipation is worse than participation. Yeah. I always, always use that. It's something I you know Johnny Gooden, who's just come on there, yeah. would probably use that on the commando course as well, is that a lot of people get themselves into this sort of state thinking I'm, I'm not able to do that, I can't do that, and things like that, or... And then when they've actually done it or tried it, then they're like, yeah. actually, that's, that wasn't that bad. So I think yeah. uh, anticipation is worse than participation. And the other one is to, to believe in yourself. Don't compare yourselves to others, yeah. you know, especially in the world of data and things like that and social media. Everyone's sort of comparing themselves to, oh, well, wow, look at him and things like that. You know, half of it's fake anyway. You know, he's been yeah. error. You know what I mean? Exactly. Don't compare yourselves to others. When I did the bike rides, you know, I, you know yes, I, I was looking at other cyclists, you know, Mark Beaumont and things did around the world. Yeah. But but he's different. I'm a different person from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, don't don't do that. 
Yeah, because you know your own strengths, your own weaknesses. You know what you know. You know your own skill set and what you're capable of. And I think that's yeah. what it is. It's too too much comparison out there. Or as yeah. people see someone and think, oh, I want to be. Yes, it's great to get inspiration from other people or learn from other people, but also essentially create your own path and to yeah. learn that. You know, to go down that area. And I know that's something that I've I've kind of I absorb from other people. I learn from other people. So, like, obviously, one thing that I actually really respected yourself for when writing, obviously, Relentless was the part where you, you obviously explained your past, but then when it got to, um, obviously, Special Forces, you essentially said, this is where it kind of stops, yeah. you know, out of respect for, of, of, you know, team guys. And that, that was, that was a, something that I really read, and I was like, respect, because you're not willing to compromise. You're not going to turn around and say, I'm just doing this for the money because I'm, you know, from this yeah. background. You said she then jumped onto right next stage, and yeah. I think that was that, that was very respectful in that sense. Where a lot of people they do like they do a background like yourselves, and they, they just think let's cash in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, you know, yeah. You, obviously, there's a lot of biceps and bullets out there. I see someone commenting on the yeah. book. I'm very conscious when I left. It's all about the integrity and yeah. how I was being perceived by the group. And as, as yeah. you know, I turned down the opportunity to be the chief instructor on SAS yeah. because it didn't fit with the way I operate and the way I, I, you know, and yes, they're cashing in, but, you know, in their reputation within the group's gone, it's gone down. So, and I wanted to keep that as well. So, you know, uh, I put it to someone the other day, you know, one of us has raised a million pounds of charity, the other one's made a million pounds, but I know which one I've got respect for. And, but for me, it was, um, yeah, maintaining, because you've, that is your life, you know, 16 yeah. years in the military, you've built up that reputation. You don't want to then shut the door on all your friends, you know. It's, yeah. So, you know, even when I got approached about the book, I was umming and ahhing about the book. Yeah. I didn't want to be perceived as, as one end because I had so many stories that were non-SF. And that's the yeah. thing. Having gone yeah. from the military to media, I've gone from military, then all those stories in the private security, and then, you know, the bike yeah. ride. And, that, and that's just the beginning. You know, some of the challenges that are coming up are just going to yeah. make them look small and I met my chief instructor from selection at an airport once and, and he put it to me as I like, you know that's your past I want to know what you've yeah. been doing now that's what's interesting yeah. you know what I mean exactly. a lot of people rest on their laurels you know what I mean some of the you know some of the guys that, you know trying to milk it you know couldn't run a BFT in under 30 minutes the moment, <laughs> I mean it's like yeah yes you were SAS back in whenever but you know what I mean what are you doing now and that's what's important exactly. what you're doing now not what you've done um, and that's the one thing I've, I've really passionate about as well yeah because i think that's what it is is it's, I, f- I think that myself it's not what you've done or where you've been that was it's there good. it's good it's, it, yeah it's backstory but what are you doing now what is it you are you are yeah. doing now? and a exactly. lot of people rest on that laurels you know for yeah. me that was just a, a chapter in my life you know yeah. how can i now push myself even further yeah, because I know you've got an absolutely massive task ahead of yourself and I know you've been obviously very busy and then like certain little uh, kayak trip yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's I mean my USP is to uh, you know, is take a sport or discipline I've never done before and find yeah. a big challenge so yeah, the plan is to paddle the, the River Nile from source to sea which is, which has never been done, it's, it's going to yeah. be built first, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah. it, you know, all depends on the situation and at the moment, you know, what this situation looks like in Africa. So yeah. maybe, you know, I, I don't, I can't really give a timeline on no, that, no. but it will happen. Yeah, definitely. Because I know a lot of people don't realise it doesn't start at the med and work its way down. It works from inland and out, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You're actually going from the south up going up north it feels like you're paddling uphill but you're not yeah yeah exactly because because when when you look at a map you essentially think it runs from the med down 
but it doesn't, it runs up. And I think that's what confuses a lot of people and thinking, oh, you're going to do the mile. So they're probably expecting you to start up here and yeah. work your way down where it's going to be up and the working way up, isn't it? That's it, yeah. And I'm just taking everything again, you know, all my experiences before, I'm just dropping it into, into this challenge. It's, it's no yeah. different from the bike ride. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and I know someone so just put a um, question on there. Any more um, books? Uh, yeah, so I'll probably do one post the post the now. But you know, one I'm, I'm looking at at the moment is is that sort of uh, leadership and you know, you know what the right team looks like as well. Right. You you know, for example, when I evacuate the Canadian Embassy, in your head, you know, the right team would be six to eight ex special forces guys with weapons and things like that. When in fact, it was a 50 year old internet shop owner from Worcester and two yeah. fish wagons. And that's what I needed. I, you know, yeah. when I went into the bike ride, I thought I needed, you know, these mechanics and, and all this stuff. When in fact, yeah. it wasn't. They were actually holding me back. You know what I mean? And yeah. the, the right team around me was my wife doing all the logistics. I wanted exactly. my bike in the wagon. So, um, so yeah, people have this perception of what they think the right team looks like. And, uh, and, and I'm going to sort of take past experiences and examples and, and put that into, into it as well. You know, there's a lot of books out there, like you say, with... No. cliche leadership quotes and things like that but where, no. where i put a quote is i'll have an example of that like exactly that. i think we kind of like think alike on that because obviously you know me yourself how i like approach my social media is i i saw for a long time people quotes out there but there was no context so no. i like to always have something that will relate to both so it'll be like yeah. something there that they can read but then it's something to look at, but then there's also that context underneath it that will relay back to what the image is. So you've always got to have that complete, you know, picture rather than just something that people, it's just going to go scroll past, isn't it? Exactly. Now you can go Google and any motivational quote you want. Exactly. You've got any experience in it. And that's, I love that quote, that phrase, you can't be experienced without experiences. Exactly, because that's what essentially builds. Uh, uh, we're made up of every single yeah. day. We're we're building the experience, and I think that's what it is as well. And I think when I look back, and I think myself, you've essentially got all these years, and you're never gonna, you know, you're never ever gonna look back and think, well, I could have done this, I could have done that. Why live in the past? Live as in now, and and you know, and look at tomorrow. You can't change what's happened to yesterday, but you can change what happens today, tomorrow. You're in control of that. Essentially, yeah. you're in the driving seat, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely, definitely. Situation we're in at the moment, you know, take advantage of it, and you know, won't be in it forever. You know, get yourself in a good position, so when the doors open, you you you're running out the blocks. Yeah, so definitely, because obviously, I want to. Obviously, you've got the uh, the paperback version of Relentless coming yeah. out. Yes, so if you just want to give it whoever... Thursday next week, twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. So that was like obviously I highly recommend the book to anybody. Obviously I read it and obviously I had it in my hand. Obviously like you signed it for us, which I appreciate. Um, and it was just like, I'd recommend it to anybody, you know, because I think it appeals to everyone. There's there's something in there for everyone, really. It is. Like I said, uh, you know, I keep using the quote biceps and bullets. It's not your yeah. traditional biceps and, and bullets one. There's stories there which you know people are like, oh, yeah. wow, I didn't realise that. that yeah. You you did that but, but then it, you have to start at the beginning and understand where where we got to and how how we managed to or how i managed to achieve what i did and it's because of those experiences beforehand yeah definitely i know we've got like a minute left but now one burning question i like to ask you what happened to them weapons you, uh, you buried in the desert are yeah, they still they're, there they're still, they're still buried there thankfully i've never needed to uh to dig them up but i have noticed that it's, it's kicking off a bit in libya at the moment they're starting to get a get a grip so uh, i wouldn't be surprised if we get a phone call again soon yeah somebody somebody like saying oh, i found a cache you know a cache of weapons here do you know who it belongs to and they'll be all straight on the phone to you 
Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's only me that knows where they are. Exactly. Best way, isn't it? Best exactly. plans. No, but it's been it's been absolutely brilliant, Dean. Yeah, massive Pleasure. appreciation. You know, and obviously, like all the best for obviously for all the future projects there as well coming up. But obviously, I'll be definitely obviously uh, following up, finding like, seeing your progress as well, which is always interesting because you've got yeah. so many different plans. You know, there's always something that's going to be there that's going to interest. What I'll do is I'll obviously I'll post your obviously uh, put people in your direction. Um, mm and all that post that but once again i just come on the last five seconds there but thanks very much mate and i wish you all the best absolute pleasure thanks